You're listening to Philly Who, the podcast that tells the stories of the doers, thinkers, and performers of Philadelphia. My name is Kevin Schmidlin, and today I'm chatting with Mac Frederick. Mac is the founder and CEO of two Philly companies. One, Momentum Digital, is a digital marketing agency, and the other, Phone Repair Philly, is a phone and computer repair company that was named Best Smartphone Repair Shop by Philadelphia Magazine in 2018. Mac is also the creator of the Small Business Saturday Initiative, which distributes newsletters, podcasts, and videos highlighting the stories behind Philly's many different small business owners. In this episode, you'll hear how Mac got his start as an entrepreneur while attending Penn State. After graduating, he would land an extremely competitive job selling search result ads at Google. When he noticed that many of his customers were small businesses, he started helping them off the clock. That didn't sit well with his employer. Oh yeah, they got me on recording and everything. I said, yeah, that was me, but look at my numbers. I'm paying your paycheck. Take it to your manager. They did. I was replaceable. That same week, he also was fired from a separate business he was helping to build. And just when he thought it couldn't get any worse, he got a call from his mother. I've got some news. I just got back from the doctor. Don't freak out, but like I just got diagnosed with breast cancer. Hear how his mother would inspire him to overcome these challenges and how he'd build two successful companies at the same time and devote the rest of his time to uplifting Philly small businesses. Now on Philly Who. Mac Frederick is what someone call a serial entrepreneur. Now, a typical entrepreneur will often come up with a single idea, start the company, and then see it through and play an important role in the day-to-day operations. A serial entrepreneur is one who is continuously coming up with new ideas and starting new businesses. And actually, now that I mention it, Mac is both because he not only starts businesses all the time, but also still operates them himself, often simultaneously. And this is nothing new for Mac. While growing up in Greencastle, PA, before search engine optimization was really a term, he had already started showing signs of the entrepreneurial mindset. I was just obsessed with baseball cards. I was ridiculous. I think my brothers got me into it. And I just started buying and selling baseball cards, you know, mostly just going to uh, the local card store and then some trade shows and garage sale hunting and just uh, trading cards and then selling them online and like getting familiar with eBay and all that. So was your goal to get just better cards or were you looking to actually like make a profit and make money? I was actually just looking to get better cards and and have something to show off. And this was before the social media era. So it's like, you'd have to invite your friends over just to show off. But, you know, I would sell lots together and, you know, use that money to buy new cards that I really liked. Yeah. Do you remember your favorite? What was your like Holy Grail? I really liked Barry Bonds before the steroid era and uh, just a Barry Bonds autographed rookie card. Yeah. Oh, you had an autographed rookie card. Yeah. Do you still have it? I do not. I sold it. <laughs> yeah. I sold it. <laughs> I cashed out. As Mac got older, he would eventually shift his focus to sports, specifically soccer. He spent years playing in school and on traveling teams, and his dream was to play Division I soccer for Penn State. One day, during a tournament, a Penn State recruiter came to watch him play, and he got his shot. I'm playing really well and had like a goal and assist and was just doing my thing out there. It was at this tournament down in Orlando, the Disney Soccer Showcase, but the, the coach of Penn State's watching me, and my dad's also sitting next to this other coach who 
I was interested in me. And in the second half, I, I was like chasing this long ball and the goalie was running out and I was like crashing towards him. And we met at the ball at the same time. He did like a full swing to kick it, but I tipped the ball just in time to get by him. But his kick landed square on my nuts and I oh. dropped so hard. <laughs> Dude, I was down for literally like 45 minutes. And uh, let's just say Penn State didn't recruit me, but the other coach <laughs> did who was there. And what school was that? So that was Virginia Wesleyan College. My cousin went to play there. It's down in Virginia Beach. So he was a year ahead of me. And so then I followed him and I was like, oh, the beach, you know, girls, it's going to be fun. It's warm. So I went down there. Did it wind up being as great as you thought it would be? No, no. It was a tiny school. I made a lot of good friends and connections, but, you know, soccer became deprioritized. You know, I didn't get along with all the, the teammates and the coaches as well as I wish I had. And was used to always starting and playing the entire games and was not. And it's funny, uh, at the end of the year, I get subbed in near the end of the game. I'm already like heated. I started arguing with the ref about something and the coach yelled at me and then I yelled back at him and he subbed me out and we're like yelling at each other on sidelines. It was like totally ridiculous of me. But uh, I just like didn't like answering to him. We ended up like going to playoffs, but he kicked me off the team. He said, you're suspending the rest of the year. And I was like, whatever, I'm just going to run track. So I ran track and ended up like meeting a girl and like really liking her. So I ended up staying mostly because, you know, I couldn't transfer. So I had to stay another year. You know, I had to fall on my sword, come back to the coach. Yeah. So I tried out again and made the team and, you know, was sixth man of the year. I still didn't even start, which was pretty upsetting, but uh, we made it back to the NCAA tournament again. So I got a medal for all that, but yeah, that, that was, that was it. I had to leave after that second year. And so why did you go, why did you switch schools, go to Penn state? So I'd suggest everyone try this. Like if, if you're stuck on making a decision as to what to do, it's like a really important decision and you, you choose from a couple different options and you put weighted values on things that you care about and, and make your decision based off of data on yourself. So what was in this decision matrix? Go to Penn State and not play soccer. Go to Penn State Mont Alto, branch campus, play soccer stay at Virginia Wesleyan and play soccer or go to a, another school and play soccer. And Penn State Penn won. State was by far. And so at that moment, had you sold yourself to the results of that matrix? Were you like, whatever comes out here, I'm doing? Or did you, because I know sometimes like when you do any sort of exercise that helps you make a decision, yeah. sometimes you find yourself rooting for one of the choices or or, you know, some people will go through the exercise and it'll tell them to do one thing and they still don't do it. Yeah. So did you like, did you feel, okay, this is what I'm doing now? Or did it take more convincing? No, that's a great point because you're definitely biased. And so I'd suggest doing it multiple times when you're on a high and a low and then seeing what you're getting on an average. But yeah, it was, it was overwhelming and I was biased. I wanted to go to Penn State. I, I think one of the main decisions came down to, did I want to play soccer professionally because I, that was my goal as a child. Yeah. And so did, and it I, changed. You didn't to, want to do that anymore. No, I understood that I was learning more about business and I knew there was something there for me. Yeah. So what were you studying up until this point? I had no idea what entrepreneurship was, to be honest. I was studying business management and I was getting really good grades and like new finance, accounting, marketing, all these different classes. You know, this was now my junior year, fall semester, moved to Penn state. And then it really got started. I literally signed up for the marketing club, the entrepreneurship club, the management club, the snowboarding club, intramural sports. Not only do you learn a lot about yourself and what you want to do and like build a great network and relationships, 
you also get free pizza just about every night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're eating for free. So you're joining all these clubs. You're, you're learning all this stuff. Now, at this point, do you know I want to have my own business? Do I know that? It's tough. I mean, you always do, but you never know what it is. So you just knew that you wanted to have a business. You wanted to be an entrepreneur, whatever this term means that you're finding out about. What's your first step into entrepreneurship? I was working at Subway at the time and it was just a terrible employee, but I enjoyed the money aspect and I was like, oh, $8 an hour. Here we go. You know, fast forward a little bit through that fall semester. I was having fun, just turned 21, started going out meeting a bunch of people, making friends, going to clubs. And uh, spring semester came around. I went to the expo again. I went in with a good attitude. I, I had a smile on and I was just networking, doing my thing. And this guy comes up to me. He was like, Hey, who are you? I, you know, I, I like something about you. I don't know what exactly he said, but he's, he said, I want to start a club. It's an entrepreneurship club that works with the local chamber. And I think you're the guy to take over it. I was like, cool. That's what do we do? Yeah. <laughs> and so he connected me to his friend's daughter who was in, in at Penn state. And we just formed this club called Nittany entrepreneurs. So I started an entrepreneurship club before starting an actual business. You weren't about even an entrepreneur yet. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like, all right, guys, this is how you become an entrepreneur. <laughs> just listen to me. I'm there and I'm like hanging out, just trying to be myself and recruit, you know, to get this club off the ground. And this kid comes up to me and he was like, hey, I have a business. I go, all right. Yeah. What is it? His name's Keith Summers. Shout out to Keith. One of my great friends. He's like, I bought this bus. It's an old senior care bus and I'm turning it into a party bus. I go, say no more, <laughs> say no more. I'm in. <laughs> so what was the next move? I mean, you, you started a business that was a party bus. I mean, what people just would get on the bus and ride around and party or was it taking people places? Like, dude, I did not know what I was getting into. I don't think either of us did, but we pimped this bus out and we would throw parties, but also like transport people on this bus. And we had like a stripper pole in there. We had all these lights. We had a DJ lounge. We, yeah. we hired a driver we hired a DJ and we'd have a DJ and a driver and him and I were like, you know, charging $5 a head to get on the bus and people would like bring alcohol and it was ridiculous and we didn't have a license. I don't think we had insurance either. It was a mess, but I was like, dude, tell me whatever to do. I'll learn it. So I had to teach myself like web design, graphic design, you know, making flyers and handouts and like talking to clubs and orgs and all that stuff. And it was so much fun. It was so much fun. Net net. We probably didn't make money, Yeah, but, uh, Overall learning experience and fun. And people, people enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> so funny. A party bus. How did that end? So we would take a lot of people to like clubs or Greek life events or concerts. And that's where we'd make some decent money. But then we were both 21, like seniors. Like we're trying to get out. of. We want to have fun too. And so that got a little messy. And uh, he graduated, wanted me to take over. And I had a year left. And I was like, dude, I, nah, I can't. And right around that time, I just started fixing phones sort of as a, as like a little hobby and it was way more lucrative and easier. Yeah. Why did you start fixing phones? I broke my phone and my friend was like, just starting to fix phones. Austin Nixon, shout out one of my, one of my dudes way back. He was like, Hey, I'll teach you. I'm going to go work for this company that does it, you know, called iCracked, kind of like Uber for your iPhone. And so he went out to do the internship in like Cali and showed me how to fix my phone. 
which was a nightmare. I completely broke my phone. And he gave me his <laughs> tools and screens and everything. And you would book them through the appointments through this app with iCracked. And that's before I went out on my own. And so I'd leverage them like you would Uber to drive. And so it set me up with an appointment. I met this lady at Starbucks. She had like a crying baby with her. And she had this like iPhone 4 that just destroyed front and back. And I didn't know what I was doing at all. I was sweating bullets in there. I was there for like, like yeah, two I can hours. Fix this. <laughs> right. <laughs> She's like, is everything okay? Like, I kind of need to go. I was like, oh, yeah, just dripping sweat into her device. <laughs> Making it worse. Making it worse. Shorten all of it. <laughs> but sink or swim, baby. Sink or swim is what I like to say. Sounds like you swam. I swam. I fixed it. You know, and from there, I just like, oh, yeah. Well, I think I'll get better at this. Yeah. Plus, YouTube was really getting big at that time. And so I was watching a lot of videos, figuring it out. Honestly, to me, entrepreneurship is a lot about putting yourself in situations that you're forced to learn or putting yourself in situations where you're forced to meet someone. Mm -hmm. So you wound up working at Google right, right out of college. Yeah. So you how did that come to be? Well, I was like building the phone repair company and building the entrepreneurship club. And we started a watch company and all these things all at once and building up connections and leverage. And so the job I wanted was basically an advertising sales consultant, found the job I wanted exactly, studied the role, looked all over Glassdoor for who studied for that role and the interview questions and all that. But getting the interview is literally the hardest part. And 90% of their hires are actually referrals or people they proactively recruit. And so I needed to be one of those people. So what I did is I found someone at Google. So I DM that person saying, Hey, like I saw you went to Penn State, you know, I'm here now, you know, I was just looking at your LinkedIn and I'm super impressed. You sound like an awesome person. I'd love to talk to you about Google. You know, I'm thinking about work, like, applying there. And so that conversation led me to another conversation of somebody who more recently was in the role I was looking for at Google. And so she put in a connection, a referral for me, and then that got me the interview. And then I really prepped for the interviews. I went through practice interviews with bunches of people. So you got the job. Did you like it? Loved it. Loved it. At first. I think I came in with a lot more experience than everybody. They, they really just hire overachievers. And, you know, with sort of my credentials, that was me. But they also hire people that are like stable and they're concerned about me being stable because I'm kind of an entrepreneur. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> why were they concerned about you? <laughs> I, I could tell from their questions in the interview. Like what? Do you have any examples? Do you remember? They'd be like, okay, like what if you were offered um, another opportunity to work for a startup? Or like, what if your current startup gets funded? Yeah. And so I would have to work around those questions to fit their answers. Right. And so did you answer them truthfully or did you tell them what they wanted to hear? I told them what they wanted to hear. Yeah. Yeah. And then you got the job. Got and the job. at what point did you start to think, uh-oh, I don't think I actually want this? My goal was to... I knew the stock was going to pop off. And so I wanted to do four years, let it fully vest and then start my own agency. Yeah. Cause I was realizing that I was good at like digital marketing and advertising specifically sales around it. What I also realized for those listening was I recognized a, a problem in the market, which working in Google ads department as a sales consultant, you're selling people Google AdWords who don't necessarily always need it. Mm. I met a lot of really cool small business owners who I was consulting with and they had awesome stories, you know, just blue collar, hardworking Americans. And, uh, I could really connect to them cause that's kind of like my background. And I realized literally some of them would fall out of my book of business a quarter later cause they failed. And I'd call them up and be like, Hey, I'm out of business. 
And that was devastating to me. So I noticed some things happening with some of my clients, like their websites weren't good. Their SEO wasn't good. Their social media wasn't good. So I started having conversations with them outside of the nine to five and started talking to my one friend who I ended up partnering with to create an agency to help these business owners, which was a problem with Google. And so I tried to lay low for a little bit and, uh, I just got called into a meeting. They called me out on some stuff. They said, Hey, we noticed you're doing this. We told you to stop. Hey, we noticed, you know, you're trying to work with this other team behind our back. We caught you on this conversation. Here's the recording. What? Oh yeah. They got me on recording and they everything. played it back for you right they there. Played it back for no me. way. <laughs> and so I was like, damn, what did you say? Were you just like, yeah, I said, yeah, that was me. But look at my numbers. I'm paying your paycheck. I said that to my manager. I go, take it to your manager. And they did. And I was replaceable. Wow. <laughs> so that was it. You were no longer an employee at Google. Fired, cut off. I go, let me keep my MacBook. They said, nope. <laughs> wow. Then what? What's your next move? Do you, do you leave Ann Arbor? Do you? Dude, mental health is so real. And I realized it then. And then I didn't realize it for a while until recently. It's like, you only realize it when you go through tough times. And I've had three tough times in my life. And that was definitely one of them. What was, what was the day to day like? Like, how was it tough? Well, imagine being fired from your dream job that you didn't like you, you don't plan on being there forever, but it's like, this is great now and it's going to be great for a while. And a lot of my friends were just like riding the wave, you know, and everybody was like looking up to me from my hometown. It's like, you know, local kids working at Google, all this stuff. And I felt like a disappointment. I felt I was ashamed. I was embarrassed. I was sad. I was depressed. And so what I did about it, I was very fortunate because I was an entrepreneur, so I could create something and I already had something. I had the watch company, which is Vortec watches. We were reinventing the watch band and making the perfect fit standard, really cool company we were building. And I had the phone repair company. I started on the side again, which was already cash flow positive and was building out both those. And the next week, literally after getting fired and just being embarrassed, I was like, I'm going to double down on this. And the guys at Vortec were like, Hey, we have a different of opinions here we're going to buy out your equity. And then they forcefully bought me out. So in, in the same week, you lost the job at Google and were forced out of the watch company. Correct. Wow. You must have been pretty distraught. It gets better. Oh boy. What was next? So then I try to file for unemployment, but I get rejected because I got fired on like terms that like you can not get unemployment for. So I was trying to get money there and like, you know, was, wasn't going to get paid out immediately on Vortec. And so I have bills to pay too and stuff. And, you know, a couple weeks go by and, uh, you know, my, my, my mom's like really empathetic for me and like trying to help me through. And she's like, you need to move home. And then she calls me and she's like, um, I've got some news. I just got back from the doctor. Um, don't freak out. But like, I just got diagnosed with breast cancer. And so that hit me like a wave, but what re really hit me and for, she said to me, and I try not to like break down when I think about this, but she's like, don't worry about me. Like, I'm going to be fine. You worry about you. And she's like, I believe in you and you should believe in you and you should go after what you want because you never know life is short. And so I did. Yeah. And you took that to heart. Yeah. So how did you take that encouragement from your mother who was dealing with this diagnosis? What was your next move? How did you parlay that into moving forward? after all these things went wrong. You just work through it. You figure things out, you know, your back's up against a wall and it's like fight or flight. And I was just fighting. And, you know, I was, 
I doubled down on phone repair and was making cash from that to support my creation of Momentum Digital. And that's when Momentum was born. Now, is this still in Michigan or did yeah. you come back? So this is like summer 2015. And, uh, you know, I had an option to move out with my business partner, Michael, in Southern California, which is like very appealing or move to Philadelphia and uh, move in with my good friend, Jake and some other people and uh, close to my girlfriend and my family. And I chose the latter. And I say that on a cold, rainy day in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, what did you know? Had you ever really been to Philly before? What did you know about Philly or think about Philly at that time? Dude, I hated Philly. Why? It was like run down. It was like overcast. I didn't like the sports teams. I didn't like the people. I thought it was dirty. I had an internship here, so I had an experience here. And I worked in One Liberty at like 16th and Market. And I just didn't like it. I did not like it. But everybody and everything deserves a second chance. And so what I was thinking was, I need to be closer to my family and my close friends. And I have a bigger and better network here because it's closer to Penn State and my hometown and stuff. And so moved in with my friend Jake, who had a startup that I was consulting with and sold my phone repair company for the second time. We're talking small cash, but used that cash and the cash from Vortec to start up the agency and restart a third phone repair company. (laughs) So you really enjoy the phone repair stuff. If you know you can make cash from something, like I was cash flow positive within 60 days. Wow. Of each uh, of this third one. You have the third one. And this is phone repair Philly. Yeah. And so the playbook for that is literally digital marketing and SEO and using an office to build a local service company. Yeah. And so I've moved into venture forth within a month of being in Philly. I lived at like 10th and spring garden, which is where I ended up like putting my first phone repair shop. But I, I moved into venture forth, one of the initial co-working spaces, met a lot of great connections and friends here. Like you interviewed Will from rec Philly. Yeah, yeah. That's my boy. I met him in venture forth. Very cool. Uh, him and Dave silver, you know, a lot of people that I met there, I'm still friends with. And I uh, started momentum out of that and phone repair Philly out of that and was literally working, you know, 14, 16 yeah. hour days every day. Do you remember any days or stories that changed your perspective on Philadelphia that made you not hate it? <laughs> I just knew I could make an impact. Yeah. I knew I could make an impact and I'm not saying I have yet, but I'd really like to. I think I just had the bad personification and perception of Philly in not being from here, you, you kind of feel like an outsider at first until you really get grounded. And uh, there was a lot of different networking events and opportunities and, uh, you know, people that you could meet who were genuine. Just met some cool people and realized there wasn't that much competition for the phone repair thing. So I was like, <laughs> I'm going to blow this up. <laughs> and now what do you have, three or four? Yeah, I'm starting a fifth shop soon in University City and probably... Hint, hint, a sixth in the next six months in in Temple. So you get to Philadelphia, you have the phone repair business that you're starting up, you have Momentum Digital, you have two companies that you're growing at the same time. What was that like? Dude, it was a lot of fun at first and it was a lot of hard work, a lot of long nights, but you get to a point where it's like you can't do it all yourself. So you have to start like relying on other people and hiring other people for Momentum. You know, we hired my roommate, John, it's a great guy, taught him AdWords like Google ads and, uh, you know, some subcontractors and hired my friend Alex for phone repair. And you just start teaching other people how to do the things that you're doing, which is something I got away from, which I guess is one of the points that we can talk about is 
the importance and impact of teaching people the right things the right way. And um, I outgrew the space. So a year into phone repair being in the venture forth space, I was profitable within two months and then really started making some serious monthly cash and being very profitable and was forced out of the space. They literally said, you've outgrown the space. There's too many people in here. It's like kind of like weird and sketchy. <laughs> You're not paying us enough and you got to go. And so at that time I was running both companies out of there and I was getting recruited from other co-working spaces, specifically WeWork who just moved to the area in Northern Liberties. And I checked it out and actually it was a weird timing right before they told me I needed to leave. They told me, we want you to partner with us on the space. Like it's kind of folding. We need your help with digital marketing, some capital, all this. And so I was going to partner with them and I came to do some recon on WeWork yeah. and was like, whoops, <laughs> this is nice. <laughs> I was uh -oh. like, oh, this might take over. <laughs> yeah. And so I went back to the guys and told them everything we needed to do at VentureForth and they just different of opinions again and they took it the wrong direction. And then we went back and forth and they were like, you got to go. And so I moved momentum into WeWork and I moved phone repair into a, an actual brick and mortar retail yeah. space at 10th and Spring Garden. What was the biggest challenge of growing two companies at the same time? Oh, dude, I had no idea what I was doing with retail. Okay. No idea. I didn't let, like, I've never, never signed a lease before. I've never built out a space. I didn't know anything about construction or like print collateral or signage or like walk-ins or like security or insurance, <laughs> like all these different things you have to learn and know. And do we started making some big bucks and like, it was just like me and like two other guys and then momentum was started making some good money at the time too. And you know, it was, it was me and three other guys. And, uh, it sounds like things went well. They've been going well for a while. Are they still on that trajectory or? So phone repair Philly grew 5,000% in 18 months. Momentum grew 3,000%. And so I started a second location and then bought a third location all within a couple months at the end of 2016. And that hurts cash flow and everything. And so the one location was in New Jersey, randomly enough from somebody who's selling it. So I bought it from someone else. And then I started the second phone repair company in a WeWork using that same office model, the WeWork at 15th and Walnut. Meanwhile, had moved into here. So I'm not a machine. I've worked literally 70 plus hour weeks since moving to Philadelphia. But I also used to travel more and have more fun and like have more free time and more cash. But I've just reinvested and reinvested and like made some bad decisions. And, you know, everybody does. So you just got to learn from them. What would you say has been one of the harder moments so far? Uh, in this journey 2018 has been completely brutal there's like a whole long story of like bad decisions and setbacks from 2018 that lead back into 2017 it's like a whole long story that's like been a domino effect but specifically i think it culminated midsummer uh do you remember the day the gate pride parade was on a sunday this summer in Philly, yeah 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 it was a pretty cool event and i didn't really have time to go to it but i did anyways to support with like the WeWork staff and my girlfriend at the time and at this point, I was running Phone Repair Philly, obviously. You know, we had three stores and was working on a fourth. I had Momentum, which was going through a crazy time because of a lot of decisions I made and bad ones and things I had to do. Losing people, it gets crazier. Uh, I was in the Goldman Sachs small business, like the 10K SB program. Meanwhile, I hadn't been paying myself for months. I was going through the program. I was running both companies and I took on this huge, big client. Well, in my terms of a big client, which was a big blockchain conference company, which many people might've seen me, you know, posting about this summer. 
and it was a massive failure because I'd never run a conference before. I'd never done any big conference marketing. I didn't really know blockchain or crypto. I just knew it was a big potential payday if we hit a home run with it. And it literally encompassed my life more than the other three maybe combined. And so I was working 18 hour days for weeks straight, weeks, 18 hours a day. And like my body was getting run down. I wasn't eating, like I wasn't healthy. I was mentally drained. I wasn't getting, I was distracted and all these things. And on the day of the parade, I remember specifically, you know, I went to bed at 2 a.m. after being, you know, sort of cussed out the night before, after like trying to catch up with friends I hadn't seen in a while, um, saying like how terrible the marketing was going for the conference. Spent the night with my girlfriend and was like telling her about the situation and how I had to get up early and like fix this marketing. And, you know, woke up at like 7 a.m. and went to work at WeWork and like was doing all this stuff. And I was having an issue with my computer and I was like, whatever, I'm just like, I'll, I'll let it like reboot and like fix itself, whatever. I'm going to like, you know, go to this parade and come back. And I still couldn't get the computer to work when I came back and I started freaking out and like not knowing what to do. And I couldn't fix it myself personally, even though I like I fixed stuff and it wasn't working. And so I was like, all right, I'm, I'm just going to like go to my girlfriend's place and like just calm down and like or just relax for a second. And I went over there and it started raining and I was like walking cause I like didn't wanted to save money and not take an Uber and like this whole thing. And I was like, I need to call my mom. Like I'm in like a tough position mentally and financially. And I was telling her all this stuff that I was going through and she, she knew pretty well and has been very supportive this whole time. And, uh, she was like, we have some money saved up from the stock that we've been putting into your account. Like, saving for you. And we're just going to transfer it to your account because you need to pay yourself. Like this isn't okay. And I just broke down crying, relentlessly crying for minutes straight. Like, on, like on the street, like on the street. Yep. Wow. I was out there crying and I don't know what to do with myself and my, like my girlfriend, most people have never seen me cry. So I finish up. She's like, you're going to be fine. Like we went through the whole thing. And then I'm like, she's about to walk into my, my girl's place. And uh, I see this girl and she's like, Oh, Hey, you're Mac. I know you. Do, you, do you know me? And I was like, no, she's like, I work at Sear cause I'm a good friends with Will and you know, some people at Sear. And she was like, I follow you. Like you're really smart. Like I love your digital marketing stuff, yada, yada. And I was telling her I was going through a really tough time because don't be afraid to like share your feelings with other people. You never know how they can relate and empathize. And so she was like, you should read this book called lost and founder. And it's about finding yourself as like a digital marketing entrepreneur and stuff. And so I was like, it's funny how the world opens up and like solves right then when you needed it in right. that moment, right. You just happened to run into this person who had right. the right advice. So with Philly being so big, but yet so small and people knowing each other and being able to like be in the same circles of digital marketing of entrepreneurship yeah. of startups and business and culture, that connection and what I was able to build through my network and people like knowing the value I provide while also being able to empathize with each other, understanding the environment we're in is very impactful. Wow. It's very impactful. Incredible. So put yourself out there. Yeah. Wow. And so have things gotten better since that moment this summer? The conference was a complete failure. I was not able to fully dedicate myself to the Goldman Sachs program either, but I made some great connections and friendships. It's a great program. And, you know, I just, I needed to take a break mentally. And so I went on a trip to Europe for 10 days and just like escaped and realize that there's so much more to life and business and relationships and everything. Since then, I've just really been trying to focus more. Uh, I think a key mistake I made with both companies and myself is just trying to do too much, which is just who I am as a person. I, I mean, you heard it starting at Penn State. I just tried to do so much. 
and you know legends like the richest people in the world you know bill gates warren buffett their key to success is focus and so that's something i'm trying to work on and focus being i created another decision matrix yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) nice uh to figure out what i need to do and one thing i really need to do is do less with momentum so around that time of not knowing what to do and not realizing the importance of focus i went the opposite direction and made another mistake by trying to make momentum a full service digital marketing agency to get bigger clients and bigger retainers and then you're like wait well i'm like 2xing the retainer, 3xing the retainer, but 10xing the, the amount of work we need to do and stuff we need to learn. It's the opposite way. So now we're going to focus on going more niche by focusing on like just paid advertising, mostly through Google AdWords, which is like my bread and butter and what people know me for. It's kind of going back to your roots. Stick to your laurels, you know? And I also want to build out a niche to who we serve for that product. It's almost like a product as a service type of thing and something replicable and that you can you know make yourself known for. So I've seen you online really involved in Small Business Saturdays. Yeah. What is that? You seem to really oh, be dude. into that. It is widely known as the day after Black Friday, sponsored by American Express, which supports small businesses and small business owners for people to shop small. But why are we limiting Small Business Saturday to one day of the year? We wanted to expand upon that and make it every Saturday of the year that we give back to small business owners, specifically and locally to Philadelphia. You've got to be a small business owner doing something cool, making an impact on the community in Philadelphia. So we made it a weekly video series where we'd literally go in and I took back over as the host a couple months ago. We go in, interview the small business owner, learn more about them, what they're up to, how they got their start, what makes them unique, what they think about Philly, do a whole production of it, usually four to six minutes long, put it out on like our blog, you know, YouTube, social media, all that stuff and promote it on behalf of them completely for free. Yeah. Every week. That's awesome. Yeah. So I have a couple questions that I ask every guest just to get different perspectives. Uh, what would you say is a common misconception about you? Um, people from watching me, and maybe this is my own fault, but think that I party and travel and drink all the time. Maybe you're just seeing highlight reels, which is not something I'm very against. So maybe I, I can do a better job of that. <laughs> I used to travel and party a lot more. Now I just work a lot more and try to party less but i still go out and have a good time I mean, you got to miss partying and traveling right because like that's fun <laughs> i miss traveling i miss traveling for sure and seeing like a lot of friends all over the country another misconception is uh that i fix phones all the time i'm not just the phone repair guy i own the shops and i can fix your phone but i cannot run four shops concurrently fixing all the phones i have people that help me a good team <laughs> if you could send a message to yourself in the past butterfly effect aside uh. Sounds like you would. Listen to my parents. I would listen to my parents. I would listen to my parents and I still need to listen to my parents. Uh, wait, wait, why? What's They something? just know what's best for me. I think they really know, like my dad and mom know me differently. My mom's like a much more empathetic, you know, loving type of person. My dad, you know, obviously loves me too, but he wants to educate me in a different way from a business perspective and uh, just be more grounded and disciplined. And it's it's tough for me because... I think he might not have been it. And he didn't even tell me that he was the president of his frat until after I graduated from Penn state because <laughs> he knew I would have joined a frat yeah. and that would have been a bad thing for me. <laughs> yeah. But listening to them, because I, you know, I think I hate regrets and I, I think living with regrets is terrible, which is why I'm a risk taker. And like, I take a lot of r- risks so I don't regret things, 
But one regret I do have is not focusing more on soccer. I, I think I was like very talented at a very young age. And then I started focusing on the wrong things. And, you know, he told me if I just want to you know, practice more, practice more, like focus, focus. And he still tells me to focus and, um, it's something I need to improve yeah. on. Sounds like your mother made it through the, uh, breast cancer diagnosis. Greatest woman I know. I mean, she's so strong. She's so strong. She's so supportive. Uh, I love her to death. Yeah. She's, she's been in remission, you know, cancer free and for maybe over a year now. And so every year we throw a breast cancer gala, like a fundraiser for her. My good friend, Shana Staggerwell and I, she also runs another agency in the area, but, uh, you know, both our mothers, you know, suffered from that as do many, Yeah, you know, one out of eight, I believe something crazy. Yeah. My grandmother did. So yeah, we throw this, this get together once a year, try to raise money, raise support, raise awareness. And, uh, it's usually like late September, early October, right around our birthdays. And, uh, it's a good time. Awesome. What would you say from your perspective is the biggest challenge facing Philadelphia today? I think there just needs to be more support in working together as far as separately. Like there's a lot of ways we can work together. I mean, specifically in the marketing realm. I mean, I'm personally trying to put together like a very core group of digital marketing entrepreneurs who are like doing big things and like, like a power group. But I think just working together and supporting each other I know we're all busy and doing our own thing, but like, we don't have to do it alone. You never have to do it alone. Yeah. Finally, if you could get one message to every single Philadelphian, be it a tweet, a text, a billboard, a plane in the sky, whatever, one message that every Philadelphian could truly ponder, what would you say? I'd say support your community, support Small Business Saturday, shop small, shop local. I mean, we're all in this together, especially after, you know, the Eagles victory. I feel like that brought the city together and we can always be together. You know, just support your local community and give back and follow us on social media, Small Business Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need momentum. For more on Mac and to check out the Small Business Saturday podcast, you can head to the show notes or to podphillywho.com forward slash Mac. That's M-A-C. If you like the show, be sure you're subscribed. Leave us a rating and follow along on Twitter and Instagram at podphillywho. Philly Who is a Q9 production. This episode was produced and hosted by me, Kevin Schmidlin, with associate production by Angela Gervasi, editing by Max Graham, music by Lee Rosevier, and artwork by Lauren Carhart. For Philly Who, my name is Kevin Schmidlin. Till next time.